I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Luke 15, verses 18 through 20. Hey everybody, I'm Reagan Gilliland. And I'm Stephanie Reedmeyer. And this is Off Script, and it's a special edition. Stephanie and I are talking about two different scriptures for our sermon series, Moral of the Story. And so we're going to talk about our theology behind it, how maybe there's similarities between our two different distinct stories, what was on the cutting room floor, and any other shenanigans we can get ourselves into. Sounds great. Yeah. We are in the book of Luke. Yep. And we're looking at these particular stories that are only found in the Gospel of Luke. Last week, we did the Good Samaritan, and then this week, we got a little crazy, and I did the prodigal son, but only did one part of it, the younger son, and you did what? Mary and Martha. Also a unique story. It is, and it's only in this Gospel, too, so it kind of fit the bill. Yeah. Uh, you and Chris are doing something cool by splitting it in half. Tell us more about that. Yeah, split it half, and I was like, well, I'm the youngest in my family. I'll do the younger brother, and you're the oldest, so you should do the older. I feel like y'all should have been forced to do the opposite, to, like, put yourself in the other's uh-huh. shoes. I would have just dogged on the elder <laughs> then. Yeah, but fine. And honestly, The Prodigal Son is—I mean, it is such a good story. I mean, you could preach a whole series on it from so many different viewpoints. Like, it is such a rich, rich text. And I think—I kind of feel like that with Mary and Martha, and it's only, what, five verses? It's five verses, which I knew I was picking it, and then as I was writing my sermon, I was like, there's only five verses here. Like, usually I, like, kind of sprinkle scripture throughout, and I was like, no, I got to hit this all in one fell swoop, Mm -hmm. which was interesting. But I feel like Mary and Martha, it's always like, be like Mary, don't be like Martha. And that's kind of the whole thing in the prodigal son, too, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which people— you know, they're like, oh, that younger son, what a jerk. And then you're reading, like, the elder son is also a jerk. Correct. And so, I mean, and we, I mean, we'll talk about how we're all these different roles at one point or another. But question, did you have the book having, was it having a merry heart in a Martha world? Did you read that book? I haven't read that, no. I definitely read it in college. Did it impact your life? I mean, at the time, and I'm sure I was like, oh, that's what I need to do. But now, I'm sure if I read it now, I'd be like, oh, gosh. It would probably be a little problematic. It would be a little problematic. Yeah. Okay, so. Can I just ask you some questions about yeah. yours first? Let's do that. Because I feel like most people tuning in have listened to traditional. And if you haven't, if you haven't, <laughs> do listen to Reagan's sermon. <laughs> Don't. But then Skip. if you're, like, listening to us later on and we're talking about Mary and Martha and you find yourself interested, check out the modern sermon. It's a great sermon. They're, like, two very different sermons, which uh-huh. is fun. So one thing I love when Reagan preaches is that the jokes are going to be there. <laughs> Reagan has all the jokes all the time, especially with the 845 crowd. It's my favorite to mm-hmm. see if they're going to laugh. Yeah, so I was they're going to bomb in. Yep, yep, I was glad I was in that service yesterday. <laughs> Um, but you started talking about the middle child. You're like, if you're an older child, you'll relate to Chris next week. If you're a younger child, this is for mm-hmm. you. If you're a middle child, 
there's nothing here. There's for nothing you. here for you. You're forgotten, like always. Yeah. <laughs> and they're used to it, right? So my husband's a middle child, and that just makes me laugh every time because it's so real. Mm-hmm. And now you have a middle child. I do, and poor guy. So I feel like we overcompensate now. Like we got to make sure he feels really special and see. <laughs> yeah, he was like sick for a whole week, probably just to get some attention. I think from so. Y'all. I think he faked it. It was the on whole purpose. Time. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so you open up in your sermon this idea that the younger son is tempted with possibilities, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really cool way of looking at Mm -hmm. it. I feel like usually when I hear the sermon, it's like the younger son was so greedy and he just wanted what was his and blah, blah, blah. But you saying like he needed this like lifeline Mm -hmm. to go out and dream. I liked that a lot. Tell me more about how you got there. I don't know for sure. I'm going to go ahead and say it was... The Holy Spirit. Always a good answer. Always a good answer. But I really think uh, when I was reading commentaries and researching, I don't know if I, I don't think I came across anything with that particular angle, but I started to think about just how kids, young adults, you know, they are so curious of what is out there. And maybe, you know, I always think it's interesting in different countries that do the gap year more. And I wish maybe some of that was kind of incorporated into our culture a little bit more. Because I think it is good for, um, you know, at that age. Of course, we have no idea how right. old these people are. It's it's a parable. It's a, a parable, story. not a real story. <laughs> but I think a lot of people can relate to that or seeing that wonder in kids and curiosity, and that it's not necessarily always a bad thing. And maybe he didn't go with bad intentions, like I want to do all this bad stuff. Maybe he just got swept up in things, but he just. We all know what it's like probably at some point to be stuck somewhere and just wonder, I wonder what could be. Right. And I feel like because the older son is doing, we're led to believe all the right things, Mm -hmm. he sees his older brother doing all this stuff and he's like, this isn't the life for me. Right. So he has this like firsthand witness of like, I don't know if that's how I want my life to be. So I want to try something different. Yeah. And I feel like that's nothing to throw shade on. Mm -hmm. And to allow, I mean... This is stuff that probably was on the cutting room floors. How do we allow our kids or people to try things and know that they may fail? And be, and I think the father does know, like, okay, I'm going to give this to you, and you may totally mess this up. Right. The father's not dumb here. Right. It's not like the son—we're told the son, like, manipulates him, like mm-hmm. some Old Testament story where right. he, like, puts fur on him so he thinks right. it's his brother. Uh-huh. Like, he straight up knows— what he's doing mm-hmm. when he gives the inheritance to his son. Yeah. Which is interesting. And I also thought about, I, I thought about adding this at the end, but I was like, oh, it's getting too much. But like, what if the younger brother, he comes back and there's this big party and then the next day he still sleeps in and doesn't do his chores? Like, what do we do with that? Like, then I'm like, oh, we could get into like, who's an enabler? Like, all, like I could have gone on this like rabbit trail. But I just think about sometimes it's okay to give freedom to people and let them figure out stuff on their own and maybe fail and do stuff. But that's why we, as a church or parents or whatever, are there when those people come back and we don't shame them and we don't say, I told you so. We're supposed to greet them with compassion. Yeah, I can't imagine the father being in a mindset after the younger son leaves, like, oh, I hope he fails. Mm -hmm. Because then we wouldn't see that big homecoming at the end. You know, there had to be some part of the dad who's cheering him on, Mm -hmm. right? In order to have that mindset when he comes, like, yes, he's back. Mm -hmm. And the dad may not even know how much he's failed when he comes back, right? Right. That may be like another conversation Mm -hmm. later on. (laughs) Yeah, like, P.S., I'm out of money, and this is what I did with it. Yeah, oops. Dinner room talk. 
You talk about the father, which I found really interesting too. You say, I wonder what his words were to his son Mm -hmm. as he talks, as he goes. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you got there and the examples you used in your sermon. Yeah, so... I, I did think about, okay, he's he's giving this inheritance. He's giving him what his son will someday eventually have, but he gives it to him early. And I have to imagine, I mean, if he's a parent, he's going to say, you know, who knows? He said, use this money well, be careful, whatever. And then I thought about all these conversations that parents have with their children at certain, like, milestones. So it just got me thinking of, like, what do you say on their first day of school? What do you say when they go on their first date? And it was kind of like, Moving to think about, I saw someone online, I think Kathy, yeah, uh, was like, I cried. She's like, because I've been through all those, sending my kids to elementary school, first date, driving, college, marrying my kids. She's like, I could totally relate to all of that because so many of us can. Yeah. Yeah, it just made me think of like what the father would have said. And then if the son failed, was he like, oh, you didn't listen to me? Or maybe was he like, yeah, I told you, but it's okay. Like, right. I forgive you or yeah, you messed up. I don't know. Yeah, and I like to think of it, I hadn't thought of it till you were just talking right then, Reagan. But even if the dad and son got off on the wrong foot in whatever world that could happen, where he's like, here you go, do well, and like, or says something rude. Right. Um, so maybe the father is getting a little bit of redemption when his son returns too. Like, oh, I can start over. I can mm-hmm. um, Ooh, that's share good. love here. Like mm. that's an interesting thing too. I know usually the father is an analogy for God, so yes. God wouldn't mess up like that. But if we want to get creative with it, it's like Rachel Hutt Evans rewriting all the mm-hmm. stories kind of. Yeah. It's fun. I think it is creative to give. We always say, okay, the father is God, which is a great way to look at the story for sure, 100%. But yeah, I haven't thought about like, oh, I messed up. How can I start again with my son. Yeah. Or if the dad has regrets, like maybe I shouldn't have given him that mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe I set him up for failure, Ooh, which is a so very good. parent yeah. thing. Oh. Um, and then so for him to hike up his dress and run, I yeah. guess they didn't call them dresses. Then. Yeah. They robes. Tunics. Oh, tunics, robes. robes. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. I said robe. It up. I liked when you hiked yours up. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, check out the video. Yeah. It's on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. It really is. That sounds like a a joke, but it really is. But it really is. (laughs) Okay. So as I was thinking, I just love this because you gave me a new way of thinking of this story. So I'm the older sibling. And so it is sometimes hard for me to relate with the younger sibling. And I don't think that's always true. Sometimes the older siblings and families are the ones who kind of go out and Mm -hmm. party up their life. But for me, I was very much the older son in my family. Uh-huh. And so I wonder, do you think the younger son, when he leaves, do you think he enjoyed anything out there? I'm sure he did for a while. Well, he had money. Yeah. Like, I want that for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want him to fail. Yeah. I'm sure he had a little bit of fun. So maybe he got something he was dreaming of out yeah. there. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you go out and you enjoy it. You're like, that was fun and that was great but it's still not for me. Right. Kind of like, I mean, this is such a first thing that pops <laughs> up in my head is like when you date someone, you're like, they're a great, they're a fine person. Yeah. Just, just not. not just not for me. Yeah. Um, and you don't regret the experience or anything yeah. like that. You still learn things. Right. I like that a lot. Okay. So scripture says that after squandering the money, the younger son came to himself. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. So I put it in the context of the other stories of the lost coin and the lost sheep that I say this in my sermon specifically talk about repentance, but we don't see him having this moment where it says he, you know, I I repent. 
but it literally says, like, it depends on the translation. He came to himself or he came to his senses, Hmm. whatever. I actually talked to my husband, Scott, about that because he had preached on this same text recently, and he was like, yeah, he's like, do you notice it doesn't say repent? So then we talked about it. Um, (laughs) Probably not the message you want to (laughs) bring. You don't really need forgiveness. You don't need, no. I mean, he's tied in in his own special way. Good job, Scott. We're proud of you. We're proud of you. Um, But it did make me think about, okay, what is it like for someone that has maybe made a lot of mistakes and maybe has been told over and over again or whatever, but maybe they realize, maybe I am worthy. Like, maybe I am still lovable. Maybe I'm not a lost cause. And so that's how I kind of interpreted this because I think that's what moves him to come back because I think if he t- thought he was a total failure, he like, I can't go back there. Right. But there was something in the way he was raised or something that was taught through the scriptures or whatever that he thought, hmm, maybe maybe I'm, I'm okay. I can like redeem something. And so that's, I don't know, that's how I kind of read it and thought about the story. And it made me think of how important is the way we message things to our children. Because, I mean, that's how I see everything. I don't know, but since becoming a mom, I'm sure like almost everything you read and look at, you think it's through the eyes of being a parent, how I can uh, love my child better and make sure they don't get as much therapy as they need. They probably will need some. They all need it. They all need it. I like that. And Reagan, I like that you kind of end with what I would call a twist because I always expect the father to be God. Like we talked about that analogy, but you kind of use the father as the church, Mm -hmm. as like all of us. And so what are the ways we welcome people in? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think I've, just with life and the way the churches are, I mean, I'm going to say not as large. Maybe we don't have as many people coming is because the loudest microphones of churches or just people that are representing the church or representing Christians, you know, um, has become very exclusive. Mm -hmm. And like, well, if you've done this, I don't know if you'll be welcome. Or I've just, I've been around too many people that have had church trauma because once they shared something, maybe they've they did or who they are, they've been completely pushed out. And so I think Jesus is pretty clear in this scripture that is like, you know, no matter what someone did or in the scripture, you know, he's this dirty, smelly son. Yeah, who's been with pigs. Been with pigs and he's unclean and the father embraces him. And it just made me think about the people that really would love to come back, but they don't know what kind of greeting they're going to get. Because they've been, I've known people that have, well, I tried a couple of churches and I thought I was welcome. Then all of a sudden a sermon was was said or I was in a class or someone found out something and they're like, oh, and everything changed and I was treated differently. Or there was, you know, I was kept at arm's distance for certain things. And I'm like, oh, that is so opposite of what the church is supposed to be like. It just made me think about all the people that probably would be in our church and we keep waiting for them. Well, why don't they come? Why don't they come? And it's like, well, because they've been told not to come. Right. And so we need in to. In whatever look. way. In whatever way. Whether it's like face-to-face or it's just like insinuated. Mm-hmm. So it just made me think about how we, we need to be going out and finding people. Because I hear all the time, I'm sure you do, like, oh, man, our churches aren't as full anymore. What, you know, we, how can we get them back in? It's like, well, we have to go back. we got to go out. Yeah. We gotta go out <laughs> right. to them, which the father does. He runs out. He doesn't wait for the the son. To come in. 
he goes Because out. the son could have lost his nerve, right? Mm-hmm. He could have started walking in the middle like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Never I'm mind. going the other way. I feel yeah. like I do that sometimes. I, like, want to walk into a room and I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait a minute. Uh-huh. But when someone's running toward you and not with, like, torches. Yeah, torches. <laughs> <laughs> I did a hand motion. You can't see that yeah. if you're watching online. Uh, that's what I thought you were doing. I was like, torches? Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's what I pointed out, like how nervous he must have been and how brave it was for him to actually come back and show his face. Yeah. Desperate, brave, mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. I just really appreciate it. So I want to thank you for really giving us a calling as a congregation. Um, I think sometimes we hear sermons and they're just like, what do we personally need to do? Mm -hmm. And there's something about us as a collective community. How do we meet the need? How do we make sure the person who's made it to the parking lot makes it into the door? Mm -hmm. And that once they're in the door, they feel like it's a safe place for them to be themselves and to be honest. Um, Because that's not true of every institution, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so whatever we can do and whatever we can challenge our congregation to do together to welcome all people in. I love it. But I do want to talk about Mary Martha. So a uh, story I've looked at a lot, I think, especially as a female, I don't know. So did you, I know you grew up Methodist, but did you have pressure? I don't know if you ever went to conferences that like kind of highlighted how you should be as a woman. Yeah, no, It's Mary and Martha in my head. So I talk about this in my sermon a little bit. I just, it always stuck out to me. I don't know if it's the two sisters. I have a little sister. Um, Or if it's just the, your like duties as a woman that are like highlighted here. Um, And I feel like every time I heard this story preached, it was preached from like, man, Martha's just so busy. She just does all the housework and she's making the dinner and all of this stuff. And she just needs to be like Mary. She just needs to sit and listen, which... Both instances of that don't sound super appealing to me. Like sitting and listening at Jesus's feet without like engaging or like talking or arguing, which uh-huh. is kind of what how I grow, um, isn't super appealing. And then doing all the chores by myself yeah, is sounds, also yeah, it sounds right. terrible. So it sounds like I'm choosing between <laughs> two bad things, which I know, I know there's worth in both of them. And so that's what I was kind of trying to demonstrate in this sermon is that it's not a Mary versus Martha story. Instead, we can be both women. Mm -hmm. Um, This falls right after the Good Samaritan that we talked about last week. So like Martha is literally doing everything the Good Samaritan was called to do. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that now (laughs) we're reading the scripture right after and it's like, okay, but don't just do that. Like there has to be um, this intention behind it, which that intention we see through Mary. So we need both of these aspects, Yeah, which is important. I do think it's funny how... The prodigal son is usually like the villain or the yeah. bad. And then in this, you're like, well, Martha's the bad one. Right. She's and so busy and worried. That's yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So I think it's interesting these stories that we're familiar with that we go back and we've painted or we've sided with one character. And like you said, we are both Mary and Martha at certain times. We're both the elder and the younger Mary's son. son. Yeah. Like we're not just one type. Right. Um, so that. That and I was, think that's kind of been dangerous in our churches where we say you you have to identify with one or the other. We really need people to think for themselves and to put themselves in every position. That's what I liked about the Good Samaritan. Chris and I both preached about how we need to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who didn't help, the person who needed help, 
and the person who helped. Like w- there's fruit in all of those roles yeah. to learn from. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to be them all the time, yeah. uh, but you can learn from each of those. How is Martha like the elder son? Yeah, so I think they both have this pull to do what's expected of them. Um, we're not told that Martha loves doing housework, that that is like her calling in life. Mm-hmm. We are also not told that the older son loves to be responsible and work the fields. Yeah. They're doing what's expected of them. They're like keeping the status quo, mm-hmm. um, which now we have things like High School Musical that tell us like, yeah, don't do the status quo. Like That's go right. out, be your own person. Um, but for this- Great reference, by the way. I'm here <laughs> I for hope it. everybody <laughs> understood that. Yeah. Disney Plus, if you want to watch High School Musical in your free time. But I think, like, that was just very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there's something, like, inherently wrong with doing what's expected of you. Yeah. For either of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are bad guys. They just don't have this little oomph that we see Mary and the younger son have, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they don't do what's expected. And yeah, it's interesting with um, Martha and the elder son. Like, they get, they can get mad at the other. But, like, if this is what you choose, what you're going to do, you can't get mad at people for, like, doing opposite. So that's another lesson in itself, like, why we get so mad at people that aren't like us. Yeah. And it's, like, because we're not, like, we're different from one another. I think that's a good point because I think for both of them, they may be a little jealous of the other sibling. Yes. Like Martha's like, man, I wish I could just sit at Jesus's feet and listen, but somebody has to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the older son is like, man, I would love to have that money and go out and have mm-hmm. a good time. But my dad relies on me. Mm-hmm. So they both feel this pressure. Um, and so I think the fact that they both kind of lash out at their sibling mm-hmm. is natural. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, okay. So I... Loved how you said, um, and I might be paraphrasing, That's you said favorite. that how distracted we can get when we want to accomplish things. And that reminded me of the prodigal son who got distracted by like not doing his work, but then wanted to do stuff. And then Mary, I guess Mary got distracted by Jesus because she knows she should probably help out, but she's like, but I want to listen. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we all get distracted. And so for Mary, it turned out she was doing the right thing, mm-hmm. right? She worked was, out well for her. Yeah, it worked out better for her than the younger son in the short term. And so I think that's for all of us. We have to listen to those distractions to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. Because what if the Holy Spirit is moving in those moments? We don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. Um, but to realize that there's risk, too, in doing so. It yeah. is not a complete um, win every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... Both of these stories show that, like, sometimes we really can miss the mark. Yeah. (laughs) And what you think is going to be helpful for some things, actually, you needed to do this instead, or maybe you do both. But um, but to have grace for yourself. I also liked how you said, and I always take in when Jesus speaks to Martha that it's really, like, rebuking, but you kind of talk about it not. So let's talk about that. Yeah, the fact that Jesus says, Martha, Martha— Um, He says it twice. He says it kind of like, it's not Martha, Martha. Like when you're mad at your kid, you don't use their name twice in a row. You say their first and last name or first and middle name, Miles Price. When I say that, he's like, "Uh Mm uh-oh, I did something. He Um, does nothing wrong. All the time he does wrong. No. Uh, Well, he 
could make better choices. Um, <laughs> he's two, in case you all don't know. He's two. Okay. And he knows better. Um, but so Jesus says, Martha, Martha, which I just see as like very paternal, mm-hmm. very much like, hey, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I know what you're feeling right now, Yeah. but you're missing something. It's not like you're the worst. Look at your sister who's doing good. Mm-hmm. Do that. Yeah. Um, and that is my interpretation. And commentators say that too, that this um, repetition of her name is very emotional, okay. that it's not negative, um, and that it's easy for us to read it as such just because we know the setting mm-hmm. and we think we know what's right in the story. Um, but if we see it as her um, not being rebuked but kind of being taught, mm-hmm. she is being taught in this moment, which is really beautiful. Um, and Jesus refuses her. She has the gumption. She has the nerve to go up to Jesus and say, hey, tell her to help me. Which is like the sign of a very bold woman. Because she, she's one that has means. Like she's independent. It's her so, house. So yeah. She, yeah. Um, and we don't see a lot of strong females like that. Um, I don't know how often we see people come and demand something of Jesus and they're also female. Right. So the fact that she's like, tell her to do this. She doesn't say, don't you think Mary should be helping uh-huh. me? Which is probably what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, she's like, tell her to do this. Uh, and Jesus is like, she's doing what mm-hmm. she's, you're missing something. Um, and I just think it's all done very lovingly. And that's important for us to see. Yeah, I, I think now that you pointed that out in your, when I was listening to your sermon, I was like, oh, it is more like, oh, Martha, Martha. Like, really? Like, not Martha, Mar- like you said. Right. Oh, Martha, Martha, my dear daughter. You know, like something. Shaking his head. Yeah. Here you we really go again. this. I know. So I like to see it as more that paternal, I'm teaching you something. There's still room to grow. Mm-hmm. This isn't like Martha's the worst. Let's all be married the end. Yeah. Instead, it's like Martha has something to learn and grow from here. Yeah. I do hate that it's such a short yeah, story. Yeah, we want more. It's I not want... a parable. Like, this is like uh-huh. a story that really happened. Uh-huh. And we get not a lot of Nothing. details. But it's still included. Mm-hmm. So there's something. Something important. Something there. Yeah. But I do. It's This is one of those stories where you're like, I want to know what happened after. after. Yeah. How they, Yeah. We kind of talked about this. I do think it's a good lesson that both the elder son and Martha, they were convinced they were choosing what was good and how that can, how we can do that too. Like in certain, I don't want to name anything specific, but we think like, well, I thought I was choosing good and it turns out it wasn't. Yeah. And how that's a good self-reflection. Right. And Um, so how do we reflect on that ourselves? Mm -hmm. How do we make space for when we think we are so right about something? Mm -hmm. Um, Still allowing the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. Yeah. Even in those moments where we know we are so right. Uh Uh-huh. Because we're not right all the time. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Yeah, we're not. So I think it's good to acknowledge that's where I'd like to see that either the elder son or Martha say like, oh, you know, you're right. I've been so convinced what I did was the right choice all the time and the good choice all the time. And, or maybe saying like, it came out of a good, like. My it, motives were pure. Were pure, yeah. but realizing, oh, I still might've missed the mark. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so good for us as, as people of faith, as we evolve maybe in our theology or different, or how we feel about towards certain topics or world events and things where you're like, no, this is, you know, at some, some point you may think, uh, well, I believe this, and then you realize, oh, this was actually hurtful or harmful. thought I was doing good and how to, like, evolve and change. Yeah, it's part of being vulnerable. 
Um, I think sometimes we think of vulnerability with other people. So like, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable to Reagan. I'm going to pour my heart out to her. You um, are? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I am not. And, <laughs> but I wonder if we were honest about being vulnerable with ourselves too. So looking at those decisions we made in the past and asking critical questions, was that the right response? Maybe I thought it was in the moment and it's not now, mm-hmm. um, but it's being honest about those moments and growing. Yeah. It's that repentance that we don't see out front in the prodigal son, Mm -hmm. but we know it's happening, right? He's turned away, literally. He's He's no longer doing what he was doing. He's gone back home. Um, And so there is this shift in perspective. Um, He came to himself. We, too, need to come to ourselves. Yeah. You said something earlier, something about, like, how we can look at Scripture and we know what is right or or I don't know, something about, I was like, oh, that's a good reminder for us to revisit stories because you may yeah. make up your mind like, well, I know who the bad character was right. or I know it was, and realize, oh, maybe I didn't understand this as well as I thought I And that's what I find so great about the parables in general is I can read them every year and find something mm-hmm. new. Yeah. That's just what, that's why Jesus used them, I think, mm-hmm. is because there were so many ways to interpret them. And Jesus doesn't, at the end, give like a beautiful summary of it. Yeah. Like, oh, when I said these things, this is what I meant. Instead, it's kind of left to the hearer yeah. to interpret, um, which is scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a risk Jesus takes yeah. is he's going to give all this information in the form of a story and you need to make with it. Yeah. And the person next to you can hear it completely yes. different. And so how do we have grace with those people, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not think that we are the only ones who have the best interpretation? Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's humility involved. There is. There is. Okay, so next week, then what are you preaching on? The prodigal son. Okay, so the whole thing. (laughs) The whole thing. Yeah, I'm going to do it all. We'll see how it goes. Okay. But I'll have heard yours and Chris's, so that'll be nice. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I mean, mine will be written by the time Chris's is, so that won't be super helpful. Yeah, I was like, I hope it's written by 11. (laughs) It will be. I don't know. I worked with a pastor once at, like, why, like, people were worshiping, they were still, like, scribbling notes. mm mm-mm. And I was like, but that was their preaching style. Like yeah, they were yeah, very, yeah. and I'm like, that would stress me out. It's like people who get up and are just inspired and I, I respect it, but it is not my journey. It is not. Mm-mm. I'm like, I need my sermon done by like Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. But I don't preach every week. So that's yeah. doable. I wouldn't say Monday, Tuesday for me. Yeah. But. Well, that's a little harder for people that preach every week. Yeah. But it'll be fun. So Prodigal Son, part two for y'all. Mm-hmm. Y'all are focusing on the older. Yep. And then I'll kind of do the whole story best I can next week. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. So make sure you all listen to part one, part two in traditional, and then listen yeah. to Stephanie's. And again, this story is so rich that we are, we're all going to have different things to say. And that's what I love about the parable. Yeah. You kind of get three different versions, mm-hmm. which is fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, this was fun and not as hard as I thought it would be. When yeah. we first were like, we're going to talk about two different scriptures. How are we going to do this? But they connect more than I think we realize. Yeah, they did. So everyone go back, read Mary Martha, read the prodigal son, see who you identify with, and realize you probably are both of the Yeah, be open to identifying with the other. Well, it's been good being with you, Stephanie. And so glad you all joined uh, for another edition of Offscript. We'll be back next week. And God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. 
Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.